Welcome to Radical Simple Living Podcast. This is episode 13 of series 2 and it's the second episode about energy. And I'm sitting here in my kitchen of my homestead here in Smallland. It is here midwinter's day. I was awake at 4 what was it, 27 or something this morning when the equinox was officially happening here. Some of you I know have the equinox either side of midnight, so it's on a different day in different parts of the world. And I'm also aware that a lot of my listeners are in the southern hemisphere and have just been enjoying midsummer's equinox. So wherever you are, it's a turning point, whether it's a turning point to... Um, getting lighter a bit every day as it will be here or getting darker a bit every day somewhere else and of course those who live on the equator it doesn't make a lot of difference does it to be honest you wonder what all the fuss is about Um, it's also a bit of an anniversary because on the 18th of December which was a few days ago it was six years ago that we moved to Sweden all the way from the Welsh borders to Sweden here And so I'm now starting my seventh year in Sweden. Uh, This will be my seventh winter in Sweden. And uh, it's been good so far. I'm very grateful to the people of Sweden for making me so welcome. And I'm very grateful to everybody in Sweden for making it a home for me, which is wonderful. Now, also an eventful week here because there's a new addition to the household. We have got, sitting on the floor beside me here, is a Siberian Husky pup. Her name is Effie. Now, why is she called Effie? Well, she's after my great-grandmother, who was a Scot, and her name was Euphemia Towers Maxwell. Towers Maxwell hyphenated, Euphemia Towers Maxwell. But she was known in the family as Effie. So it's a family name that I wanted to revive. Uh, I I know that it's not well known outside Scotland, the name Effie, or those places where Scots settled in large numbers, like Canada, New Zealand, Australia, bits of the States. The name Effie is is common there. The rest of the world may be a a bit unfamiliar with it. But Effie, Effie the dog. Now, she's a very good puppy so far. She's still being trained. She's learning the routine of the house. She's not been here a full week yet, but she's doing remarkably well. She is getting on well with the cats. My eldest cat sort of hissed at her and gave her a bonk on the nose when she walked in the kitchen for the first time. And because of that, she has a a respect for all cats and wags her tails and puts her ears down whenever she sees one of them. They were a little cautious at first, but they've got used to her. Which is good, because we're all going to have to live together. You will hear her making little noises here and there, because huskies are very vocal dogs, and they do talk all the time. And uh, so far she hasn't said much, but you will hear her mumbling and grumbling. She mumbles and grumbles when she's awake, and she mumbles and grumbles when she's asleep. She doesn't bark at all, no barking. Some huskies bark, but most don't. And she hasn't shown so much keenness on howling yet, although it's one of those things we might want her to do in her role as 
watchdog. She's not a guard dog. Huskies don't make good guard dogs, but she should make enough noise if somebody tries to get in the house to wake me up. And um, it's because I'm going a bit deaf that uh, was one of the main reasons for being here. So she can warn me about things like fire alarms going off and intruders and anything that goes wrong. She's, your job is to alert me, Effie. Are you going to do that? Are you going to do that? Are you going to alert me to things when they happen? Yes, there's a nod of the head there. She's looking at me as I'm completely crazy. Um, but there we go. Okay, now being midwinter is the time, or midsummer in, in, in the southern hemisphere, is that time of the year when we have all these things, don't we, about lights. We have Christmas, obviously, we have Hanukkah, which is not too far behind us, um, and a little while ago it was Diwali. So there's lots of other festivals too, I don't want to go into them all, but midwinter is the time for festivals. In Sweden, Lucia Day is a big thing. Now, Lucia is often associated with Saint Lucy. She's known in the English-speaking world because it's her day on a sort of Catholic calendar. Um, but in Sweden, um, Lucia goes back a lot further than that. And she was actually the wife, a woman called Lucia, was the wife of Satan. And she was a bit upset with Satan because she, she, she thought he'd gone a bit over the top, to be honest. And Satan used to keep her in darkness. And one day, in the depth of that darkness, in the middle of winter, she came into the room with candles all over her head and lit the room up. And Satan was a bit upset by that. So um, Lucia represents lightness conquering darkness. And conquering darkness is what lies at the heart of a lot of these midwinter festivals. The idea that when the world is at its darkest point in the northern hemisphere, where most of these traditions started, what we have to do is bring light into the world. And we still like to do that. We still like to light lots of candles. We still like to do all sorts of ways of bringing light into the world. And I dare say gift-giving is a part of bringing light into somebody else's world too. So all these things are connected. Whatever your personal beliefs, lighting up the world a bit in midwinter is a pretty good idea, I think. Now, we're, we're talking about energy. And in the last podcast, that is episode 12 of series 2, I spoke an awful lot about our personal energy levels. Because again, midwinter might be a time when you feel your personal energy levels are at their lowest. And it wouldn't be surprising. A lot of mammals, um, bears in particular, uh, hibernate over winter because they see that their energy levels is best served by having a, a really good feed in the autumn and then going to sleep for a while. And uh, lots of mammals hibernate, lots don't. I mean, I know here when it's been minus 20 Celsius I've gone in the garden and the red squirrels have been trashing the bird feeders. <laughs> so they don't truly hibernate. They might be very much less active in the winter, but they certainly come out to feed. So hibernation isn't as common among mammals as you might think. Dormice certainly do it, which is how they got their name, dorme, uh, sleep. 
And bears certainly do it, but a lot of other mammals just go through this sort of semi-hibernation of spending a lot more time asleep than they do awake, and a lot of humans are like that. Once upon a time, energy would have been quite a simple issue. It would have been going out, gathering winter fuel in that old uh, carol, Good King Wenceslas. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the Feast of Stephen. That's December the 26th. Again, not exactly midwinter, but close to it. Uh, and he saw a poor man out there gathering winter fuel, gathering sticks. Now, in the Middle Ages, over much of Europe, that's how people kept warm. By going out in the day, gathering sticks and going home and burning them in their hearth. They had few other ways of keeping warm. They obviously wore clothing that was to keep them warm. But when you look back at the Middle Ages, it was the very rich people that were dressed in fur. The poor people didn't have fur. They were basically dressed in rags. All you could do is layer one rag over the other to keep warm. You could go out, you could search for sticks, you could take them home and burn them. And that will provide you energy to hopefully keep your home warm for the evening. And it would enable you to cook your meal. So it was fairly easy one source of fuel would. There were other parts of the world where even in the Middle Ages people had started burning coal. Now people weren't mining for coal particularly in those days although there was a little bit went on in places in these things called bell pits which is just a hole you dig and then you create a sort of chamber below the hole like a bell in profile and get the coal out and carry it back up on a uh, on your back or hold it up with a rope but most of the coal in the Middle Ages was coal that was washed up on beaches because we know that coal actually floats on salty water it's not a very heavy rock for the main part um, it does float on salt water and a lot of it gets washed up on beaches and particularly where I come from Britain on the northeast coast coal was regularly washed up and people used to take it, let it dry out, and then burn it in their homes. And many would argue that was a start of all our problems. Because as long as people were gathering sticks and burning them, and keeping warm in small homes, and wearing lots of clothing, that wasn't having a major impact on our climate. Uh, there's a cat scratching somewhere. I can't see it, but it's here. I know it's doing it. Um... When people started burning fossil fuels, and that started off being coal, which by the Industrial Revolution, which my school history lessons taught me in Britain was 1760 to 1830, I know now that that's just a, a, a bit of a simplification. Coal was being mined, coal was being burned, soot was being produced, smoke was being produced, carbon dioxide was being produced at an incredible rate faster than it could be taken out of the atmosphere. And if we look back at records, that's the start of the problem with global warming. By the time we got to the 19th century, coal burning to heat was common, coal burning also to produce iron and steel and eventually cement. All of them were using vast amounts of coal to heat up furnaces, industrial furnaces, all kinds of processes were involving coal. And then we had railways and they were burning coal and we had gas um, 
producing units, gas works they were called when I was young. And those gas works would heat up the coal, get the gases to come out and then pump the gas to people's homes and factories and so on. And what people didn't realise at the time was this was absolutely trashing our environment. People did know things were wrong. There's lots of records of people around industrial towns in Britain, like Manchester, complaining that you couldn't see the sun. The smoke in the sky was so thick that if you, you couldn't see the sun properly through it, if you put washing out on the line, the washing would come back covered in soot. If you blew your nose, soot would come out of your nose because obviously your, your nasal passages were filtering out some of the soot, not all of it unfortunately, and that was causing enormous health problems to people. And there used to be this mixture of smoke pollution and fog that if you put them together, call this thing called smog. Now, when I was a child, smogs, I was born and raised in London, as my accent portrays to you, and smog was a very common factor in the winter, particularly sort of November to January. February didn't seem so bad, but November to January, you could expect one or two really bad days of smog. And we know the figures for deaths in London went up tremendously at those times. People died in vast numbers that would be unacceptable today, I suggest. But that just happened because burning coal made lots of money. Burning coal kept you warm when otherwise you'd be cold. Burning coal cooked your food in many homes. Still, up until the 1960s or 70s, a lot of people were cooking on a coal stove. What people didn't realise, though, is the amount of carbon dioxide it was putting into the air. And so now, in more enlightened times, we're trying to reduce fossil fuels and rely more on renewable resources. Now, there are some people that disagree with me that that's a good thing, but I think renewable resources has to be the way that we solve the problem of fuel in the future. But then we have the problem that people are making vast amount of profits out of energy, out of, you know, we pump it to your home, don't you? We sell you electricity, we'll pump it to your home. You can use as much as you like, you can pay us later. That's how electricity was sold to people initially. You know, um, gas, propane, or some form of natural gas, yeah, we'll pump it to your home. Use as much as you like, keep warm, you can pay us later. And now we have a period in history where fuel, again, like in the Middle Ages, is a major problem to people. They can get it, but in many parts of the world, it is getting so expensive that people are afraid to use it. There's all kinds of stories about people's homes, particularly in Northern Europe, being cold and people not being able to put the heating on because it's too expensive. And one of the reasons for this is because of the war in the Ukraine and because of all kinds of reasons like this. But an awful lot of it is energy companies making incredible profits. Now, last week I got a, an email from my energy, um, not my energy provider. That, that company is the one that actually produces, uh, actually sells me the electricity. But the electricity distributor, the one that manages all the electricity cables here in southern Sweden, 
Southern Sweden isn't heavily populated. It's one of the lowest populated parts of Europe. In fact, small land is a very low population. And there are a couple of big cities, but most of the people that live here in the countryside rely on overhead electricity cables to get electricity. Large number of people are off-grid and rely on generators, um, usually petrol generators, gas generators, but some people are moving towards solar panels. I, I have to tell you that hours of daylight aren't long in southern Sweden. In northern Sweden, they're almost non-existent in places. In southern Sweden, solar panels aren't a great option in the winter because it could be cloudy, there's a lot of snowfalls on them, there's lacking in sunshine hours, so... It's not the easy option as it might be in some other parts of the world. We have plenty of sunshine in summer, a very sunny part of the world in summer, but you, storing that electricity from summer to winter is not possible at the moment. So people rely on electricity being delivered to them. Over the past years that I've lived here, I've successfully got my electricity bill down as I've made more and more insulation to the house that was uninsulated when we moved in. I've worked on uh, restoring the idea of burning wood. We burn wood to heat the house. The, 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 there are electric radiators that we can use as backup, but we tend to rely on wood as our main way of heating to keep costs down. Um, but I got this letter from my electricity company. I'm not going to name them, but they start with the letter E and they lend with the letter N. So most people in Europe will know who I'm talking about. And they wrote me a, 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 a nice little letter saying, unfortunately, because the cost of everything is going up, they're going to have to put up the price of distributing electricity to my home again this winter. They did that silly thing that energy companies do of lowering the price in summer say so, oh we're lowering prices and then they up it again as soon as winter comes along now they do that um a because there's less demand in summer but they also do it so they can say oh you know this is put anyway they're, they're playing a bit of a game with it there's no doubt about that this letter said we are very sorry that we're going to have to put up your electricity distribution cost well, okay, that's fair enough. But what I normally do now when I get a letter from a company is I go and see what profit that company is making. And this company that begins with an E and ends in an N, and it's only got one letter in between, um, uh, if my spelling's correct, tell me, uh, the, the press release tells me that they are expecting to make a core profit. That's a core profit, not a profit before tax. This is a core profit for 2023, by the end of the year. Uh, I'm going to give you this in US dollars. Between 9.2 and 9.8 billion dollars profit. Between 9.2 and 9.8 billion dollars core profit from the EU, that's the European Union only, in 2023. Then I went back and read the letter about how they were having problems and how costs were going up again. And the two, there's, there seems to be a mismatch here. Now, 
It doesn't do your good your blood pressure any good. But what I would recommend if your energy company sends you a letter saying how they'd love to keep prices low but can't quite manage it, what to do is to go on the internet and don't go to their annual report. Go to somewhere like uh, uh, Bloomberg or, or, or Reuters who will report on, on what their actual core profits are without dressing them up too much and see what profits they're making and ask yourself the question, is it is it fair and is it right? Is it right? Obviously, there are increased costs because of the war here in Europe. Is it right that electricity prices go up? Well, I dare say we do, we've got no choice in that. Is it right that even though prices are going up and people's standard of living is falling and the number of people that can't pay their bills is going up, is it right that shareholders can expect an increase in their astronomical profits year on year? So everybody has to accept lower money because more is being taken from them unless you're a shareholder in an energy company in which case you're laughing all the way to the bank. Now, I'm not making a political point there. I think I'm making a fairly general point that energy makes a lot of money for a lot of people. And what can you do if you can't afford to pay your bill? A few bits of advice here. You know, um, Samuel Smiles, I've mentioned him a few times, wrote a book called Common Sense, the best-selling book in Victorian Britain. And he said this saying that's often misquoted as being Mr. McCulber in, in, a, in Dickens' book, David Copperfield, but Mr. McCulber said something slightly different. Samuel Smiles said, look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. So if I can convert that into something that makes more sense for the non-British uh, non part of the world, look after the cents and the dollars look after themselves. My only advice that I can really give to you is to look after the units and the electricity bills will look after yourself. A lot of advice out there on what to turn off and what not to use. My overall aim here, and I have got my electricity bill now, is if you don't need something, turn it off. If you're not using an electric oven, turn it off at the fuse box. Don't have a little clock going on it and things like that. Okay, it doesn't use much electricity, but it uses some. If you can do with lower wattage light bulbs, if you can do with low lights instead of high lights in your room, use them. Get used to it. If I go round this house at night, locking up, doing various things, I carry uh, an LED torch with me, which I charge up from a solar panel in the day. I wander around from room to room using that. I don't switch lights on and off as I go from room to room. A, because I don't need to, and B, because if you don't switch a light on, you're less likely to forget about it and leave it on. It's now a major crime in many households here in Europe and other parts of the world to leave a light on overnight. You know, it's a terrible thing to do. So do be careful about that. Do look at appliances that you're using that you don't consider are using a vast... There's a husky yawn there. Do look at clothes dryers in particular if you have a dryer it is eating electricity if you can find your way to reduce your washing i know if you've got young children in the house that's going to be a problem so don't listen to me then but if you haven't got young children in the house wear your clothes for a day or two longer 
reduce the amount of washing you're doing, it, redu it reduce the amount of money spent on the washing machine, and then if you possibly can dry them outside, dry them in front of a stove, even if you get, well, here the days are short, but if I put washing out, if it's a windy day, I get it nearly dry. And then I can bring it in and hang it up on an old-fashioned clothes horse in front of a wood-burning stove and finish it off. These things make life less convenient because they take time and they take trouble. But they do save you using electricity and that saves you money. And if you're saving money on energy, you can spend that money on other things like food, which is also incredibly expensive. Um, it's very good to use alternatives if you can. I'm lucky that this house is served with electricity. I do have some solar electricity produced. I do have wood burning stoves in almost every room that I can use. I do have ways of cooking using uh, propane gas cylinder. I know it's a fossil fuel, but it's there. I can cook on top of the wood burning stove, which I do quite often. I cook my lunch entirely in and on the stove. You know, baked potatoes cooked in a wood-burning stove taste better than anything. Um, try and find alternative ways. Remember also the more alternative ways you find to cook and to heat your home, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. If you live in an entirely electric home, the electricity supplier has you over a barrel. They know that you're relying on them for heating and lighting and cooking and entertainment. And that's a bad place for you to be in. I know a lot of you will write to me and say, I don't have any choice. I live on the 37th floor of a tower block in, in Lisbon or something like that. I, I'm sorry if that's the case. If, like me, you live out of the city, explore those alternatives. Make sure they're safe. If you do use a wood-burning stove, as I do, Get the stove checked, get the chimney cleaned, make sure you're using very dry wood and keep pollution down to a minimum. You can do it that way. If you're securing wood, make sure it comes locally. Uh, make sure it's not being transported. If you live in the middle of a city, a wood-burning stove is a liability because all that wood has to be shipped up and into you um, and doesn't do a lot to save your overall energy expenditure. So do think about that. Do think about your clothing. Do think about wearing more layers. If you're wandering around your house in winter with no shoes and socks on and a t-shirt, just turn your heating down and put on a jumper and put on a pair of socks. Do the planet a favour. You know, you're just being selfish. You're just burning up energy so you don't have to put a jumper on in the winter. If I'm offending you by that, I'm sorry. So my husky has something to say like, are you right, Effie? She looks like she's gearing up for a trip to the garden, so we'll do that fairly soon. Okay, um, do what you can. I haven't got any wonderful solutions, but I can say look at alternatives, look at wearing more clothes, look at reducing the amount of electricity and gas you use, look at ways in which you can... Um, save energy wherever. Look after the units and the bills will look after themselves. Make it an objective for next year to reduce your energy usage by a little bit every month. Difficult in the middle of winter, but in summer, turn off things. 
turn off things on a large scale and see how you get on with that. I know in some parts of the world at hot, the problem isn't heating, it's air conditioning. See what you can do with your air conditioning. See if an open window is going to help. My air conditioning here, uh, this will shock many Americans, uh, air conditioning is incredibly expensive to run here in Europe without electricity prices. My energy, uh, my air conditioning is propping doors open with an old-fashioned um, iron. You know, one of these irons people used to put on the stove. They're everywhere are cheap and they hold doors open and they work. Now, I will be back um, in the new year. I'm not going to do a podcast uh, next week because not a lot of you are out there. But if you do want to listen to things, there are some back catalogue things that you can listen to. And on social media, I'm going to be posting some of those up over the holiday week so you can have something to listen. Or if you're intrepid, you can explore that for yourself. I'm going to put a picture of my new dog up on the um, the ads I put up on social media for this podcast. So if you if you haven't seen those, do go and have a look at her. Um, and I will be this winter walking out with the dog as much as possible and trying to get her as house trained as possible and used to these verbal commands. However you celebrate the middle of winter or however you celebrate the middle of summer, I hope you have a good time. This is a non-denominational podcast, so I'm not going to give any greetings which alienate some and please others. But I, what I will say is enjoy the change of the year. Um, Look for new awakenings. Try and find ways to change your life as the seasons change and as you get a little bit older and a little bit wiser. Save the planet. Save yourself. Live a radically simple life. And you can look forward to saving money, being more content and being more in control of your own life if you're living simply. Okay. If you like this podcast, do tell me. You can write and tell me or you can post me up on social media. You can tell your friends. If you dislike me, do the same because it's always important to keep in touch with people that you disagree with because that's how ideas get sharpened up, isn't it? Okay, until I talk to you again next time, I thank you for joining me and I'll be back soon. Bye for now.